Good morning. We are continuing our message series on the book of Psalms, and we're looking at Psalm 40. So if you have uh, a Bible, I encourage you to, to turn in your Bible to Psalm 40. If you don't have a Bible, it's printed in your order of worship, and you can follow along there. Um, but uh, Psalm 40 is another psalm that is written by David. Uh, we don't know the, the exact detail of uh, why he wrote the psalm or what was going on. Um, but we do know just from the psalm itself that uh, he, he's talking about a time, he's remembering a time in the first half of when God rescued him in the midst of his helplessness. And, and now the second half is about him crying out to God in the midst of his helplessness again, asking for God to, to rescue him. And so if, if nothing else, this psalm absolutely addresses us in the midst of our need and our helplessness. So listen to God's word as I read. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who desire my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha, aha. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy. But the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. This is the word of God. Let's pray together. Father, we pray now that you would open our ears, that we would hear what you have to say to us. Father, we pray that you would strengthen our hearts, that you would transform us, and and that you would help us to to live in response to your grace and your steadfast love this morning, no matter what our circumstances are. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the most heart-wrenching things 
that I've seen is on nature shows, I've, I've seen a couple nature shows where you see an animal that is, that is stuck in a pit of mud. Have you ever seen a video of something like that where like there's, there's a deer that is in a pit of mud up to like its, its back, like all, all it's, it's, there, there's a deer, there, all that's sticking out of the mud is their neck and their head and you can see the top of their back and they cannot move. They cannot move. They struggle and they struggle and they like maybe are able to get one like hoof, I guess it is, out of the, out of the uh, one leg out of the, out of the mud, but they cannot get out. They can't. They're absolutely helpless, absolutely hopeless. There's, there's only one hope for, for an animal like that is if a human being were to come along and figure out some way to, to pull them out. Um, and, it's, and it's so sad because you know that if left there, that deer or whatever animal it is is going to die. It's going to die of starvation. It's going to die from another predator coming along. And it's just really sad to see something so hopeless, so helpless. I think that there are circumstances in all of our lives where we might feel a similar helplessness. Every single one of us have probably faced times in our past, times throughout our lives. Some of us are facing times right now where we feel like we're stuck in the mud and we cannot move. We cannot pull ourselves out no matter how much we might struggle. And maybe, maybe it's a, a mud uh, made of grief because you've lost something and you are hurting and you can't seem to get yourself out of it. Maybe it's, maybe it's a mud that's, that's made of pain, physical pain, chronic pain, um, a, a disease that you've been diagnosed with and you, you see no way out of it. There's nothing that you can do. Uh, maybe it's a, a mud that's made of kind of a helplessness of your circumstances. Maybe you've, you've lost a job and you're like, I, you know, no matter how hard I try, I can't get I can't get a job that I need, you know, and maybe you're just like feeling completely helpless and tempted to be hopeless about it, and maybe it's just you're stuck in the mud of life in general, where just like, just to live and struggle through every day, you're like, I can't get out of this. Life, life's not what I want it to be, and just the, the monotony and the struggle of, of doing everything every day is just, you can't get out of it. Um, maybe it's a struggle. Maybe, maybe your mud is made out of, of sinful habits that you have throughout, that you've developed throughout your life or that have been passed down through family members and, 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 and they're damaging to yourself or to other people and you can't, no matter how hard you've tried, you haven't been able to, to, to kind of break that and, and get away from it and get free from it. Um, we all, I think, have experience with being stuck in the mud. And David shows us, I think, in this psalm, um, you know, in, in, in verse 2, he says, he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog. He gives us this picture of a time when he was stuck in the mud and God rescued him. God pulled him out, right? So there's no question, as, as David prays here, as David talks to God, he knows where his rescue will come from. He knows that it is God and God alone that gives him hope in the midst of what he faces, in the midst of what he's struggled through in the past and what he's struggling through now. But I think in this psalm, one thing that David also shows us is he shows us, I was going to say he shows us how to survive while we're in the mud, but I want to say more than that. I think he shows us how to thrive in the midst of the mud that we're stuck in, in the midst of our helplessness and hopelessness that we face. And, and uh, I think there's, there's three things that he shows us that we need to take a hold of that we need to grasp if we want to thrive in the midst of our mud 
the muddy situations that we are in and, and face. Um, I'm going to go through these kind of quickly because I want to get to the third one um, and spend a little bit more time on it. But the first thing is, is, you know, you look at the very first verse and you realize that patience is absolutely essential we're in the, when, when we're in the midst of the mud. Patience is essential. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. David was, David was not in doubt that God could rescue him, that God was strong enough to, to meet him and save him and deliver him, but it required patience. It required him accepting the fact that his timetable wasn't God's timetable. Um, and that is really hard for all of us. All of us tend to, be very, tend, tend to be very impatient in all areas of our lives. And I think impatience is a symptom of the fact that we really would all like to be God ourselves. We would like life to move along on our timetable. We would like you know, the problems that we are struggling in that are laying hold of us, we would like those to be solved immediately. But David reminds us here that patience is essential. We need to, we need to trust that God is faithful that God will come to our rescue. And, and I think there's so much in Scripture that reminds us that God is faithful, that we can count on him, that he will rescue us no matter what you are facing right now. He will deliver you. He will. But the reality is, is that it might not happen today. And it might not happen next week. And it might not happen next year. It might not happen until Jesus returns. And we need to be patient we need to surrender to his timetable rather than insisting on our own. We need to be patient and we need to trust him. The second thing um, we need to get is we need to develop the right perspective when we're in the midst of our miry bogs, when we're, we're in the midst of the mud. We need to develop the right perspective. For most of us, when we're in the mud, when we are facing pain and when we're facing helplessness and, and struggle, circumstances, you know, somebody that we care about, we can't solve the problem and it's like, I, I don't know what to do, and I'm never going to figure this out. Most of us have a perspective that centers on what I want, what I desire. I just want to get out of this thing. I just want my problem to be solved. I just want relief from my pain, right? That's what we all tend to focus on. We tend to focus on what we want, but instead, I think David reminds us in this psalm that what we need to do in the midst of the mud is we need to focus on what God wants, what God desires for us. Look at verses 6 to 8. In verse 6, David says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Um, in, in that culture, one of the things that, that people look to, uh, they, they, they look to sacrifices and offerings, these religious rituals, um, not just Israelites, but, but other nations. They had, the, they had their idols. They had their gods that they worshipped. And they thought that by sacrificing to their gods, by offering them certain offerings, that they could get their god to do what they needed them to do, what they wanted them to do. It was a kind of a way of trying to control their god. And so uh, the, uh, the attitude, the perspective that says, you know, I just want to get out of this situation is a perspective that says, I'm going to use, I'm going to sacrifice to you, God. And if I sacrifice enough, if I offer enough to you, if I do enough for you, then you owe me. Then you should get me out of my present predicament, you know? You should rescue me from this mud. But he says here, sacrifice and offering you have not desired, 
But what does God want? He says, you have given me an open ear. Instead, what does God want? He wants us to listen to him. He wants us to listen and he wants us to obey him in the midst of the ugly stuff that we are dealing with. And in verse 8, he says, I desire to do your will, oh my God. Your law is written in my heart. You know, your, your law is within my heart. David reminds us, in, in the midst of, of the, the stuff where we feel stuck and we can't get out, he says, instead of just focusing on, you know, that moment when you're going to be free of whatever you're dealing with, he says, surrender to me now. Serve me now. Think about how you can serve me, how you can listen to me and do my will in the midst of what you're facing, in the midst of your grief. How can you serve me? How can you love others, even in the midst of your pain? That's what he longs, that, that's what he wants for from us, is to, is to focus on what he desires rather than on what we desire. But I think this, these verses, 6 through 8, also point us forward in Scripture. They point us forward in Scripture. They, they urge us to look further on and see what God does. So the, he, what he wants for us in the midst of our mud is to have a perspective where we, we, we focus on what God desires and also what God does or what God has done for us. These, these verses are, are quoted in a New Testament book, in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 10. And in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews is talking about how all of the sacrifices in the world are not enough to rescue us from the worst pit of destruction that we all face, which is our own sin. All of the sacrifices in the world can't solve that problem. There is only one sacrifice that can solve that problem. That's the sacrifice of the perfect one, of Jesus himself. And so these verses point to the fact that Jesus is the one who actually came to do the will of God. He is the one whose law, upon whose heart God's law is absolutely written. He's the one who lived a perfect life and obeyed God perfectly. And it's because of Jesus' sacrifice that we are forgiven. It's because of Jesus' death on the cross that we are accepted by God and that we know that we are loved and that God is with us. And so in the midst of the mud of our lives, what we need to focus on is, is not only how, how, God, how do you want me to serve you, but also, God, how have you loved me by sending Jesus to die for me? It, we need to remind ourselves of what God has done. Because no matter how bleak that pit might look to us, if we focus on what God has done for us in sending Jesus to enter the pit for us, it helps us to endure. It helps us to remember that he's with us in the midst of the pit. I, there, I saw another video, even this past week, I kind of looked online and, and saw a video of, a, of one of those situations where there's an animal in the mud. There's this eagle that is, it is covered in mud. It's in a small little pit of, of mud, and, and, and it's covered. Its wings are covered. It cannot move. And, uh, and it shows this guy gets on his back, and he slides over to the eagle, like just really carefully on his back, and the mud covers him completely. And then he takes the eagle, and he moves the eagle onto his chest. And then he slides himself back out, and he's able to get the, the eagle out and clean it off and set it free. And that's a picture of what Jesus has done for us. He's entered the mud of our sin and died on the cross for us in order to pull us onto his chest and pull us out. And that's absolutely essential for us to remember when we're in the midst of stuff that we're facing that's just beyond us. 
And so we need to have the right perspective. It's, it's one that remembers what Jesus has done. It remembers how much God loves us. It, and, and, it, and it says, no matter how hard my life is right now, God, I know that you have put me in this position to serve you. How can I serve you right now? How can I take my eyes off myself and look at others and give myself for them? How can I do your will in the midst of this rather than focusing on getting out of this? And so patience is, is important. The right perspective is important. And lastly, I want to really focus on this. Is, uh, um, this psalm, as much as anything else, this psalm is about proclamation. It's, this psalm is about proclaiming the goodness of God, proclaiming the greatness of God, proclaiming how much God has done. Let me just show you. In, in verse 3, David says, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. David is, is, is saying, look, at God has, has given me a song to sing, a song to sing to everybody around me. Say, look at what God has done so that they might trust in him as well. Um, I really look forward to Fridays. I love Fridays. And it's not because, I, I mean, I have a different work week than a lot of people. So Friday's not the end of my work week. But I love Fridays because on Fridays, new music comes out. New, people drop new music on like iTunes or whatever. And, and I, I, I love looking forward to listening to new music, to new songs. Um, songs that, that are maybe creative and, and do things that I haven't heard before, and I, and I just love listening to new, to new music on Fridays. Does anybody else look forward to listening? Like when you know somebody you love is coming out with a new album, you're just like, I cannot wait to hear what they have in store, right? And David's saying, you know what? God is giving us material every day of our lives to come out with a new song, to drop a new song, to release a new song so that everybody else around us can hear how great he is and can praise him and trust in him. That's what he calls each and every one of us to do, to be constantly thinking about what, what's the new song that God wants me to sing of what he has done in my life. Okay, that's verse three. And then, and then verse five, he says, you have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet there are more than can be told. God is giving us way more material than we can even handle. Maybe the problem is we're not paying attention. He calls us to proclaim and tell of all that God is doing in our lives to those around us. Verses 9 and 10 say this, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips as you know, O Lord, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. There's a danger for all of us that we are tempted to, to hide what God has done from others. We, we have a tendency to conceal in our hearts the goodness of God and what he has done. Um, and, and David reminds us here that it's actually, this, this is a sin it's sinful for us not to remind other people of how good God is because of what he's doing in my life. We need to get in the habit of telling one another. This is how we thrive in the mud. You realize this. All of us face stuff that's hard. And we need one another to be constantly singing to us, constantly 
opening up to us about what God is doing, about how God is real, about how he is delivering me, how he is meeting me, how he is providing for me. That is what helps us each to thrive in the midst of our muddy situations because we have one another reminding us of the goodness of God. And we dare not hide it. We dare not hide it because we all need to hear it. We need to hear it. And then verse 16. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. This is the calling that he places upon us. As he meets us in the midst of our need and our helplessness, to to constantly be telling one another, Great is the Lord. That is what we are called to do. It is crucial. It is so important. We need to do this more. We need to do this more as, as a church to be telling one another, just in our conversations, you know, before, after church, but also during the worship service, we need to be telling each other more of what God has done. How is he working? How has he shown himself to me? What has he done through me? You know, the big things, the small things. And to that end, um, John Crandall, a, couple, a year and a half ago now, he was in, uh, doing, working with ASP uh, two summers ago, and he came back, and he's like, I've got something I really want to share. I want to share that with the congregation. And uh, I was like, awesome. Okay, let me figure out a good Sunday to do this. And, uh, and you know, we're dealing with COVID and those kind of things at the, at the time a little bit, and I was like, okay, we'll just wait a little bit longer, and then a week became a month, became several months, became a year, and now it's a year and a half later. And, uh, and I have to ask your forgiveness because... In not letting him share, I've been concealing the goodness of God from us. So I'm going to have John share now. So John, why don't you come on up here and uh, share a little bit of how God worked through you, met you, that two summers ago. Thank you. So some of you know I've spent some time with something called the Appalachia Service Project. In the spring of 2021, they called and asked if I'd be construction consultant for them again for the summer. Now that means about eight to 10 weeks in central Appalachia, guiding volunteers and staff on uh, issues relating to emergency home repairs. That's the job description. In truth, however, it means working right alongside the volunteers on the hard stuff. Consulting on electric problems means fixing electric problems. Same with plumbing, and sometimes the same with people. It seems I end up using my training as a Stevens minister as much as I do anything else. Psalm 40, verse 5 reads, Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you plan for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. Well, ASB asked me to serve in Kentucky that summer, not West Virginia, where I was born. That was a shock, because I don't know anybody in Kentucky. I didn't even know where the hardware stores were. But I said yes. would be stepping outside of my comfort zone, but I was ready. So I got there a few days early because I wanted to at least see where I was going to be serving and find the five counties and the five 
ASP centers where I was going to be serving. On my first day, I got a chance to meet the staff from Floyd County. Lizzie, Abby, Colleen, and Molly. Over dinner, God's hand became pretty obvious. It turned out I had a connection with all of them. Colleen was an architecture student and lived in the town where my mom and brother lived in, in Maryland. That's a pretty close connection. Molly was right here from Long Valley. And this made that whole never been there before thing just kind of evaporate immediately. The ladies of, Flo of Floyd is what I call them now. And they're very special to me. There was one home that stands out as an example of God's love. Out of all five counties, out of all the various homes and volunteers, this is the one that really stands out. Just getting the paperwork done for the staff was a challenge. And I confess, I was one of the obstacles that he had to overcome. I was concerned about the extent of the work. Ruth, that's not a real name, but I'm using it. Ruth's trailer had been neglected for some time. The roof had leaks, ceilings were sagged, the roof sheathing and roof trusses had begun to rot. The ceiling insulation was soaked and the electricity and the water were off as well. There were many things in my mind why we shouldn't do this. I would have been very happy if they decided to walk away from this trailer. But knowing that the two hard projects are the ones that turned out to be the most impactful, I needed to look for the positives in this. The staff was totally committed, and who was I to stand in the way of that? Wish I had time to tell you about all six weeks of work and volunteers, the ups, the downs, the long nights, the weekends that we worked on Ruth's trailer. In short, God provided all the time, all the talents, and all the resources we needed to clean out that whole trailer, repair all the roof trusses, put new sheathing over the whole place, new metal roof, new insulation, and new ceilings in that. And we even got the electric and water turned back on in six weeks. Week five and six were spent on new ceilings. Well, now volunteers and sheetrock don't mix very well. The end result leaves a lot to be desired, and this was a big ceiling. So we decided to use something different. It was a ceiling system that looked like a plank ceiling when it was done. It was nice and lightweight, and it seemed pretty user-friendly. One problem, I messed up the order. I underordered the number of planks, and it was a special order. The week six crew, the last week, uh, they finished all the insulation, and they got really proficient at putting up that plank ceiling. And I'm convinced, had I ordered the, th the material correctly, they would have finished. The balance of the ceiling didn't come until week seven, and there are no volunteers in Floyd County that week. I picked up the material and had every intention of going in and finishing the ceiling myself. There's only one problem. I'm old, and the work the days beforehand had really taken a toll, and I was, I was exhausted. 
But anyhow, I showed up on Saturday to Ruth's trailer with the planks, and she was ready to go. She wanted me to go home. She said, you've done enough. Just go on home. And, but I couldn't do that. We spent the better part of the morning working together, and she became proficient at putting up that ceiling. We took a water break on her, sat on her porch, and eventually got around to the conversation about her situation. Psalm 40, verses uh, 12 and 13 said, For the troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs on my head, and my heart fails within me. Be pleased, O Lord, to save me. O Lord, come quickly to help me. She had been suffering from a very deep depression for some time. Desperation can cause depression. But a lifetime of abuse from her parents and a spouse led to an overwhelming feeling that I'm not good enough. Economic struggles led to serious criminal acts in her workplace. Prison was the next place for this single mother of two. But her employer and the judge worked out an alternative. But that overwhelming feeling of guilt and the abuse put her in a state of depression where she couldn't even get out of bed. No hope, no money. No place to live, no job, no prospects, mud. She had to go back to her parents' house to live. And the depression and isolation just got worse. Then a bit of a miracle. Ruth described it as a voice on her heart. She felt compelled to begin forgiving those who had caused her so much pain. She started with her parents. She forgave them in prayer and in a face-to-face meeting. She described it as a huge weight being lifted. She knew there was a lot of work left to do, but this was a start of a new life. And she cleaned herself up, and she went out and sat on the porch. Now, just days after that had happened, she was sitting on the porch, and the ladies of Floyd, remember them? Riding about looking for projects for the summer. Through a referral, they had heard that someone in that home needed some repairs, so they went up and talked to Ruth and asked if she needed some home repairs, I guess. Ruth just broke down in tears. Because just days after God, God's grace through forgiveness, he, here he was again, offering some repairs that she needed. Ruth and I talked a long time on that porch about forgiveness. We talked about how the true beneficiary of forgiveness is really us. We're the ones that get let off the hook. We don't have to carry around that resentment anymore if we truly forgive somebody. Resentment is like taking poison and expecting somebody else to die. Forgiveness, including prayer for for good to come to those people who hurt us, is a huge part of a joyous and free life. And the process of forgiveness was huge for Ruth, the process of forgiving her parents. We talked long about 
how hard it is to forgive that last person on our list, ourselves. Ruth was not there yet. She did eventually agree that it was possible with Christ's help. And we talked long about how the judge and her employer had already forgiven her, and that was an act of God's grace as well. So who are we to stand in that way? Kind of puts ourselves you know, better than God. We know better than God if we don't forgive ourselves in, some of these, in that situation. I pray for Ruth often that she would one day be able to forgive herself. It's just a bit of the story that Ruth and I shared that day. I really don't know how much time we were there, but I do know the sun was getting low and neither of us had another tear. We didn't get much ceiling up, but I think that time was more important. I realized much later that if I hadn't messed up that ceiling order, we would have missed that whole time. We got a huge jump on getting that trailer up and ready for you know that summer, but I don't think it's nearly as meaningful as the relationships that we built between Ruth and I, and more importantly, between Ruth and Christ and, Lord and God. It was a time on the porch that will stick in my mind forever as the reason for my summer in eastern Kentucky. And I thank God for that. Thanks. As I said before, I, I you know, um, I have to ask your forgiveness and God's forgiveness for not like being quicker to have John share when he was like, I have something to say, you know, I have something to say about what God did in me and how he met me and how he worked in the, in this woman's life and through me. And, 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 uh, I'm, I'm just telling you right now, if you have something to say, to share a song to sing, um, of somehow that God has provided for you, a way, way that God has met you. I mean, I, I know that it's hard I know that it's hard because for, for a lot of us, one reason we don't is because we're not paying attention. But for a lot of us, an, an, a, one reason we don't is because we're, we're scared, we're terrified, we're shy. We, we can't imagine, you know, standing up in front of other people and saying anything. And, and that's, I understand that for sure. Um, but we need to hear from one another of how God is working. And, and I don't care if it's like, you know, maybe another reason was like, well, what I have to share is not really that big of a, you know, amazing story. Maybe it's just something like small. We need to hear those stories, whether it's incredible and this amazing miracle or if it's just this small little way that God has met you. We need to hear from one another. So I, I encourage you to think about, you know, as, as, as you find God meeting you and rescuing you in the midst of your mud, to, um, to let me know and, and offer to share it with the church, whether it's on Sunday morning, uh, or if, if you're too scared to stand up here and share something, you don't have to, you know, it could be just a minute long. Um, just, you could even write it down, and I will read it, or somebody else could read it. Or you, we could put it in the Thursday email. You know, we need to be telling one another. We need to be proclaiming about the reality of God's power and his grace in our lives. That is how we will thrive in the mud, as we all sing to one another. 
okay? This is how we thrive. This is how we thrive in our pits of mud. The mud is going to be a continual reality. It's going to be a continual, rea- continual reality. But as we proclaim God's goodness to each other, it helps, us, it helps us to be patient. It helps us to humbly serve him. It helps us to rest in the reality of his love and, and the good news of Jesus. Um, so let's do that in the midst of your mud Fix your eyes on the grace of God and on his faithfulness. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would um, make yourself real to each and every one of us. In our own unique individual circumstances, we pray that we would see that you are faithful and that you are good and that you are enough Father, we pray that you would help us not to to hide your goodness in our hearts, that you would help us to to be open and to be bold in sharing what you have done with those around us in our church family, with those outside of the church um, that that you bring us into contact with. Father, we pray that you would help us to be people who sing of your glory and your steadfast love. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, we are doing something a little different this morning. Uh, we are going to be ordaining and installing a couple new deacons. Um, basically, uh, every year, and I've, I have to ask everybody's forgiveness again, I, we, have, we need to open up nominations. <laughs> I keep forgetting to, to put that in the bulletin, but we need to open up nominations for, for um, new officers, for, for elder and deacon, and we'll start doing that next week, I promise.